When life bumps up against you, you have the choice to pucker up and put on a sour face or mix it up with ingredients like resilience, persistence, and grace into the delectable concoction only you can serve. We are Greer McVeigh and Whitney Wiley, speakers, authors, and entrepreneurs. We're also sisters, and since we were children, we've made a habit of turning challenges into the lessons and launch paths of our lives. Each week, we'll discuss the recipes that will turn your biggest challenges into the building blocks of the successful and fulfilling life of your dreams. On occasion, we'll include experts and thought leaders who'll join the party and you're always invited to. Join us as we share the sweet highs and sour lows and every drop of life in between. Along with our guests, we help you shake and stir your own lemons into lemon drops. Welcome to the Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops podcast. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. I'm Whitney Wiley. And I'm Greer McVeigh. Hey, How are you doing? How are you doing today, Greer? I'm good. What's going on in your world? I am just working hard. You know, I had a, a interview session that I did for um, a client. And so that presentation went really well. And so I'm excited to move on to what we're going to be talking about today. Well, before you move on, though, did you take the time to like relish that success it sounds it sounds like it did what it was supposed to do so before you just say oh check check move on <laughs> did you do a happy dance or drink some champagne or i did know, not have champagne or run around the block that should be the <laughs> that's that's how we can celebrate don't eat cookies you know don't have pie you know oh i got to jog around the block because I had a success. Is that what you, is that what you I did? I did not. You know what I normally do? Mm. You're going to love this. This is, this is my you drink. A, you drink a lemon drop? This is, no, I do not oh. drink during the middle of the day, mm. lemon drops or champagne. Okay. Lemonade. But I did take a nap and oh. that is how I often celebrate what um, <laughs> the happy things in the middle of the day. Is that yeah. I, I take a Sleep is good. Sleep is good. Sleep is overrated. And I think as we <laughs> talked to our, our guest in a bit, I, I, I read something in her You mean blog underrated. Of, what did I say? You said overrated. Oh, no, underrated. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's underrated. My bad. But I think, it, it, well, I think I read something in her book about sleep. And so we'll get to that. But I remember a couple of years ago, Ariana, Ariana Huffington did a whole thing on sleep and the importance of sleep. And I was like, yeah, I don't sleep well. That's because you were young. Was, well, well, it, well, yeah, I was young. You didn't right. care. I didn't care. Well, when I was young, I didn't care because it was like, oh, sleep is for the old. I'll sleep when I die, you know, that. And then at some point, it was like, you know, my sleep is just not particularly re re revitalizing and rejuvenating. So eh. I think we're going to get to fix yeah, that. Yeah, I think we. I think we are, <laughs> and you know. But as we go through life, you you start to notice. Uh, you notice things. You don't sleep as well. You can't right. see as well. You can't. You know whatever. And now it's so funny. I, I, well, I don't know if it's funny. I shouldn't say it's funny. But I talked to a lot of my friends, male and female, and everybody is, is I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of tragic. But we're all talking about our aches and pains. It's like it takes us three minutes to stand up, you know, upright to get straight or to, uh, you know, just right. And right now with coronavirus, it's like, yeah you know every little thing you do it's like you cough and you know people around you look at you and it's like does she have it is, is that coronavirus right right but it, it's like every time i i have the slightest you know my throat's been scratchy i think i need to get a test oh i've got a headache it's got you know it's been maybe i need to get tested and with the flu season coming in and coronavirus and then just normal 
old lady aches and pains. It's like, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the winter at all. So well, hopefully, hopefully Cheryl today can solve all of my, well, my woes. You don't seem to have any. Well, but, I, you know, I have a few. You just I, go to sleep when you're, you know, <laughs> I'll just I, sleep it off. I think a, a lot of why I do well, um, I'm not as good as Cheryl, and I will introduce Cheryl in a minute. I am not as good at taking care of my health as Cheryl, but the things that I do value are getting good hydration and getting good sleep. And I know those are things that we're going to talk about. So with that, why don't I introduce our guest today? Um, and our guest is Cheryl Meyer. She is the health muse. Cheryl's story, as Greer just mentioned, is actually probably all too familiar. For a time, she had horrible pain that no one seemed to understand. She woke up every morning more tired than when she went to bed. She had brain fog and required two to three cups of coffee to function. Every joint and every muscle in her body hurt. She was increasingly sensitive to products like perfumes, mascara, underarm deodorant, fabric softener, and she couldn't even clean the house without getting sick. She hated being sick all the time and just wanted to pull the covers over her head. She was a girl interrupted. And most of all, she was frustrated because no one seemed to understand what she was going through. And the part of this that I love is that Cheryl decided to take control of her life. And she uh, originally had turned to conventional medicine, but I think we all understand that traditional medicine is about masking the symptoms, dealing with the symptoms and not the cause. And at the same time, they were giving her prescribing drugs. They were telling her nothing was wrong with her. And Cheryl said, you know what? I don't want to live a life of pain and pills. And she learned to take control of her stress, began eliminating toxins from her life, found a functional doctor. But as they say on good old television, that's not all. But that's not all. So years of research that she did herself, she cured herself of... Um, the things that were ailing her, and she went back to school, which I love, and everybody knows I love that part, right? <laughs> she went back to school to shore up her bona fides, and now Cheryl is the author of award-winning books, including It Feels Good to Feel Good, and she is the host of a podcast by the same name. Cheryl is on a mission to help America become healthy again and toxin-free. Cheryl Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. Thank you. I am delighted to be here and delighted to be your guest. Oh, Hi, Cheryl. You. How are you? Yeah, I'm telling you, we all think, Greer, that we should have pain and be taking pills. And that does not have to be how our story ends. And I didn't know that either. I yeah. put up with it way longer than I should have. And I was so, I was an A-type personality with my own business. So things were happening and they were flitting across my eyes so fast I didn't even stop to think about them until the two by four came down over my head and I had no choice but to pay attention to the fact that I felt lousy. And my whole life was being interrupted. I was in a long-term relationship and we woke up one morning and he looked at me and he said, I hate it that you're sick. I said, well, what would you like me to do about that? Well, what we did about it was we broke up. Um, well, 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 okay, that wasn't what I was expecting yeah. to hear. But it was an angel's hand on my back because what it led me to is my soulmate who I married five years ago, and who wanted to go on a get well journey with me. So he's been an important part of my journey. And I'm really grateful for all of So it of sounds that. like you lost about 200 pounds or so. Yeah, I lost 50. No, the guy. Oh, the guy, yeah. I lost more than 200 pounds. You know, he, it was a toxic relationship, but he was very good to me, not just not always very nice to me. And I think sometimes we put up with things that we don't have to. Yeah. 
Yeah. True. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. So you found someone and you said you went on this journey together. Right. So how did that start? Um, I started the journey myself because my mother had a weird disease that no one knew what to do with. And it was at the beginning of the internet. I got online and read all the medical journey journals. It was called multiple system atrophy. And so I actually, in some cases, knew more than the doctors she was seeing because mm. she was just a patient where she was my mother. And so I went to all of her appointments and I knew that if I could find all of that on her, I could find out whatever was wrong with me when my doctor came back and said, hey, I want to put you on steroids, but there's nothing wrong with you. You know, why am I going to take steroids if there's nothing wrong with me? And I knew I hurt, so I knew there was something wrong. So I got online and I tripped into the functional medical community, which was running 19 different symposiums at the time. And I watched them all with multiple doctors. And there were some themes that kept coming up. I probably had something called toxic load. I probably had something called leaky gut. And so that's where I started. And I knew that I was um, fueled by stress. My friends had started pulling me aside and telling me my stress was out of control. And I thought it was getting me to get more done. And it ends up, it was hindering my productivity. So between those three things, I started researching. And when I started researching toxins, there's a giant database in the sky called ewg.org. They're most famous because they put out the Dirty Dozen Clean 15 list every year okay. of what, for what food you must buy organic and what doesn't matter. But they have a database of hundreds of thousands of everyday items. And you can literally look up everything you're using in your life or look up the ingredients in them. So that's where I started. Flash forward five years, I had eliminated hundreds of toxic products from my life and replaced them with much lower toxic items, which lowered my toxic load, mm. which healed my leaky gut, and which allowed me to return to a place with no pain. And in the meantime, about two years into it, I found my own functional doctor. She ran totally different tests. Right from the beginning, she said, I can tell you right off the start, you've got inflammation and all the signs of autoimmune disease. And she knew how to test for it and have it show up. So that's where we started. I actually have something called undefined autoimmune disease, which a conventional doctor wouldn't even know what to do with. But a functional doctor doesn't care where you fall in the spectrum of autoimmune disease because they treat them all the same. It starts with eliminating what causes leaky gut and then healing the wall of your gut, which is only one cell thick. So it's really easy to disrupt it. And so when you, so sure, I'm sorry, let me, let me make sure that this is clear. When you say leaky gut, is that literally? Literally. What, what, it, what is that? How does that manifest itself? What does it look like? Are you? There are a series of things that you can do that go into your gut that disrupt your digestion. Toxins, sugar, stress, parasites, all of that will cause you not to digest your food down to the correct size particle. So what happens is the wall of your gut is only one cell thick. It's like tissue paper, it's so thin. Okay. And it's fixing itself every six days, but eventually it can't keep up. And these two large food particles start ramming their little heads against your gut wall until they rip a hole which is why it's called leaky gut. And then these food particles that are too big start going into your bloodstream and your body does exactly what your body's supposed to do. It screams foreigner and it attacks and goes into hyper mode. And so that's what autoimmune is. It's when your immune system is reacting to stuff that's not supposed to be there. And then the body gets really interesting because those food particles mimic wherever you're weak in your body. So for me, it was my joints and my muscles. For someone else, it might be their thyroid and become either Hashimoto's or Graves' disease. For somebody else, it might attack their lower digestive system and become IBS. Or it might become psoriasis and eczema. Or it might start to be dementia or Parkinson's. So it wait, so you literally have food, so your blood right. that's going through your veins is supposed to be 
blood. It's plasma. It's but you, your food is supposed to be the right size particle and go in there as nerd. okay, but it's going in there as literally as like chunks of food, as chunks of pieces food. of food. Right. Wow. Okay. 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 And so that and the, it can manifest itself in all these different ways, probably right. one or more or possibly all. And there is something called multiple system. Okay. You have one. It is very likely that you get others if you don't deal with what caused the first one, because the same syndrome is happening in your body. And that's okay. where inflammation begins. Inflammation begins and then inflammation becomes disease. And it's not only just autoimmune disease, by the way, it's also the beginning of cancer and the beginning of heart disease. Wow. Inflammation is the bottom core baseline of all of it. So yeah, I, let I, me learned, take. I learned about inflammation with the the whole thirty or the the what do you call that diet the um, yeah paleo diets and stuff. Oh, Just yeah. learning about the harm and damage that you get from inflammation, and then reading your book and seeing your story, it just was like, oh my God, I know that. She wrote about me. It's a biography. <laughs> I'm glad you thought I was writing. I wrote the book because I started writing to women everywhere that started in the grocery store in the dentist's office telling me their story. And it was just like mine. Only I had started finding some things that would help my health. And I wanted to share what I had discovered with other people. So that's really why I wrote the book. That's why I went back to school at 67. I wanted to help other people with all the stuff I had learned because I knew everybody didn't have the ability to 24 seven be researching for their health. And I did because I had a staff that carried on with my business. So let, let me ask you this, Cheryl, you've mentioned functional medicine a couple of times or a functional doctor. What's the diff, what is functional medicine for our listener? And what's the difference between that and traditional medicine? Let me go back to conventional medicine. Conventional okay. doctors' main source of information once they get out of medical school is their pharmaceutical rep. So the average appointment is six minutes or less. And what they do is they listen for the first complaint and then they match a pill to it because that's what they've been taught. They haven't been taught almost anything about nutrition. They get less than half a day in medical school on nutrition. So if you ever had a doctor say to you something like, you need to lose weight, and you go, yeah, how would I do that? They really don't know anything about how to do that because that's not what they learned in medical school. And believe it or not, medical schools were started by the pharmaceutical industry. I had no idea. I did not know I that. I didn't know that either. Okay. Now, Functional could be a medical doctor, could be a naturopath, could be a nurse practitioner, can be a lot of different things. But pretty much if it's an MD, they went to get additional um, certification in functional medicine because they got sick and couldn't help themselves. That was the first thing I figured out by listening to all these doctors and all these symposiums. They all went looking for clues to fix their own health or their mother's or some dear person in their life that they wanted to help and they didn't have it in their toolbox. And so a functional doctor is trained not to look at an individual symptom or an individual body um, part but they look at the whole body and they want to figure out what is the root cause of what's causing you this disruption. What's causing the inflammation? Why are you feeling the way you are? So just to give an example, I had thyroid tests taken. They checked my thyroid in conventional medicine from the top of my head to where my thyroid gland was. Functional medicine then checked it from there down to my adrenals and that's where I was broken. And then we started to look for what the, roi, the root cause was of why it was broken on the second leg of its trip. Um, conventional medicine tested me for allergies. Only thing I was allergic to was the tape that held it on my back. <laughs> Functional doctor tested me for sensitivities, and I have 18 of them. And by eliminating those 18 foods from my diet, I had instant relief. I wasn't all the way back to a pain-free life, but that was the first giant leap forward that I made to get rid of my pain. 
And it was weird because one of them was chicken. And I ate so much chicken, I used to think I was going to cluck. And that's exactly why it became a sensitivity. It was one of the first things that started to leak through my leaky gut. And so that was one of the first things that my body built up a sensitivity to and reacted hostily to. As much wow. as I, we're going to go into more of how you stopped and, you know, how you made the transition, but I'm afraid that if I were to do that, that they would say, you know, Greer, you can't have that pasta. You can't have those olives in your martinis. You can't have the, the, uh, potato chips you can't and you take away and i know you're going to talk about that but just I'm, I'm i'm over here feeling myself getting cringing at all the things that but that does not mean i am in any way deprived <laughs> do i eat potato chips yeah they're not an everyday treat but i only eat organic potato chips because there's 69 toxins on a conventional potato and my body can't handle that so if I'm gonna eat a potato chip, it's gonna be an organic potato chip and I'm gonna enjoy every bite of it. Does mm -hmm. it mean you can't have olives? No, because believe it or not, olives are darn good for you because it's loaded with olive oil. And so that's actually a good oil in your body. So are they, are they blue, blue, blue cheese stuffed um, olives in your martini? Dairy is one of my sensitivities. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the most is cheese but it gives me so much pain, it's worth it that I've given Yeah, it. absolutely. So you just, I have a whole section in my second book, don't use this, use that, because mm -hmm. I change things out when I cook, and I'm actually still a foodie, I still eat delicious food, it's just nothing like the food I used to eat, and if you came to my house for dinner, you're not gonna say, what do you mean, this stuff is healthy? You're gonna say, wow, this stuff actually tastes pretty darn good. I have, I have actually found that good food is good food. Correct. Right? The better the food, the, it, it just, it tastes better. And the organic food, and when you put fresh herbs and spices and make homemade and it, without all the other stuff. So let's talk about some of the other stuff that's okay. in our food, that's in our diet or in our environment even. Let's start with food because that's really kind okay. of where to start. I did not have a clue what GMO was all about. I had no idea what they were spraying on conventional crops. And so that was all an eye opener. And being in California, GMOs had been on the ballot and there was so much misinformation put out there yeah. that it failed. And when I found out what GMOs really are, I want to share that with you because I was stunned. GMOs come in one of two varieties. They either have Bt toxin put in them right as the plant is growing. And what Bt toxin does is when the bug bites the plant, it blows up his little stomach so that he doesn't eat the plant. But unfortunately, when Bt toxin, which is in the plant, you can't wash it off, gets into your gut, he blows up all your good gut bacteria. And when Monsanto mm. introduced it, they said your body would shift it right back out. Well, guess what? It stays in your gut and it's the gift that keeps on giving because it duplicates itself in your gut and starts to poison you. And it also, number one, it's creating all the good minerals out of the earth as that plant is growing. And when whatever gets into your tummy, like magnesium, it creates it right back out. So most of us are very deficient in magnesium. So whoever's listening to this, go to your doctor and get that checked because you can take it as a supplement and magnesium is responsible for 325 different enzyme reactions in our body, so we need it. So that's Bt toxin. It's poisoning us from the inside out. The other kind of GMO is even worse. That is plants that have been made Roundup ready. And for anybody who's been following the news, mm -hmm. Robert F. Kennedy sued Monsanto two years ago and won because they finally got all of the paperwork from Monsanto that they'd known for 20 years that Roundup, was, Roundup, which is glyphosate, has been causing us all cancer. Well, they're still making plants Roundup ready, and our crops, conventional crops that aren't GMO, are also getting sprayed with Roundup. So if it's Roundup ready, it means it's drenched in Roundup and the plant survives it. And Roundup is a herbicide, and what does side mean? 
Side means it kills something. And so when all those sides go into us, they also poison and start to kill us. So that's one reason I eat almost everything organic because my body can't handle the sides, whether they're pesticides or herbicides, I don't want them. But there are foods on the Clean 15 that you can eat that are not gonna hurt you if you buy them conventionally. So you have to decide where you wanna use your money. But to me, it's worth it. Now they'll say there's no difference in organic versus conventional crops. That's also not true because you're getting more minerals from the regenerative farming of organic than you're getting from the way conventional um, foods are produced. And you're getting better fertilizers, which is also giving more minerals and goodness to the vegetable. So a new study out of UC Berkeley says, uh-uh, organic is way better for the body. So it comes down to how do you afford it? And I have a chapter in book two on 30 ways to save on healthy food, because that's one of the big objections I get when I get out and speak. You have to start first by deciding where is your discriminatory money going? You really need to stop for that cup of coffee on your way to work, or could you use that money for a higher quality food? Because we are what we eat and food quality matters. And, and so, if you didn't have the coffee and ate better food, you would have the energy from the food and you wouldn't need the coffee. Right, although which is, coffee is an antioxidant, but it's also a very dirty crop. So it too is loaded with pesticides and herbicides. So mm -hmm. if you're gonna drink coffee, you wanna make your coffee organic as well. Yeah, exactly. Not without, you know, a half a cup of heavy cream. Right. Frothed and... <laughs> And, 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 and other flavors and all of that stuff. Sugar, sugar. Can we, let's, let's, can we just go back a, a bit and talk about the GMOs? And I think a lot of people, I don't, what was the name of the, um, there was a documentary about Monsanto a, a couple of years ago. Well, there have been several. Um, but, you know, I think people are starting to be aware, although I'm not sure if the legislation failed because the wording was so confusing and people didn't know if it was a double negative and did and yet the, the, the problem with monsanto which is now owned by bayer mm -hmm. is that our fda has always been run by ex-monsanto executives yeah and they leave the fda they go back to monsanto in the higher positions and, and the revolving door yeah government has always been interconnected with it and there is so much money involved our government is not going to protect us we have to get educated and we have to protect ourselves um, when i first started researching i got really angry where the heck is my government well they're not going to take care of me i'm going to take care of me and in the eight years i've been doing this there have been lots of shifts in products available so that we can have more options in terms of how to eat clean than there were eight years ago. So the world is starting to shift with me and I wanna be a part of the change I wanna see. So how many companies, I know there's Monsanto obviously, there's Dow and Cargill, and I mean, there are a lot of companies. How prevalent, I guess, is the question that I wanna ask in farming uh, it, it's everywhere it's everywhere so it's a it's ubiquitous you cannot get away from it there's seven big chemical companies okay all of which are making chemicals all of which um are poisons and not good for us um not everything that's made in conventional farming is bad but it's good to be aware of what is and what is not okay okay and they're just paid out, by the way, something like um, $8 billion to 80,000 people who had cancer after that first landmark case was won. So there are still people who are suing, and Bayer inherited it all because right in the transition of it all, they bought Monsanto. Mm. But don't feel bad for them. They wanted Monsanto because <laughs> Monsanto made people sick. They're the pill company to make it. I was going to say, it, it doesn't seem that they have clean hands in that at all. They don't. And they also make a product very similar to glyphosate. So they eliminated their competition by buying Monsanto. Wow. wow. So, oh, well, <laughs> well, that's a good business model. 
Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so we've got these, these chemicals that are in our food. Is it sufficient to eat organic? If we just say, okay, I'm just going to shop organic. I'm going to the farmer's market. I'm going to grow my own. I'm going to go to the farmer's market and look for organic because not everything at the farmer's market is. I'm no, going to go to the... your farmer. If you talk to, not everything is certified organic, mm -hmm. but if you get to know your farmer, you'll find out what he does about bugs. And he may not be certified, but he may not be using sides. And okay. so, is, is that enough though? Yes. Is that, so without, if, I mean, if you didn't, you know, obviously you have made it a career, right? right. You've made it part of your life and a career. And I understand yeah. that part of. But it's a start. If you start with food, that's okay. it's for healing. It's, there are toxins in your water. There are toxins in your canned goods. There are toxins in your cooking oils. There are toxins in your meat. There are toxins everywhere. I was shocked. There were toxins in my cosmetics. I was, ex I was buying extremely expensive French cosmetics. They were a nine on the 10 point scale. Your skin is your largest or organ. So what you put on your skin goes right into your body and causes part of that leaky gut issue. So you mm. have to, and cosmetics is not regulated. I no longer take any over-the-counter pills. I was someone who was allergic to aspirin, so I took Tylenol my whole life. Well, my liver was rather angry because they've discovered Tylenol's way har more harmful to the liver than they ever dreamt. But if you're taking Advil and Aleve and aspirin, that's very hard on your gut. And so what does that cause? Good old leaky gut again. And so, so are most of the problems that come from the, these toxic illnesses, are they the result of the leaky gut? So you've got the toxins create the leaky gut. The leaky gut then creates, it manifests in these different chronic illnesses in the body. That's the functional medicines. Okay. Okay. Conventional doctor won't even know what you're talking about, I think. But that's okay. how medicine um, approaches the body. They start generally with the gut and by healing the gut, you can then start to heal the rest of the body. There's a lot of things that they do. It was like going on a treasure hunt with my doctor. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, so okay. <laughs> so I'm over here I'm like taking notes. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm, yeah. They, they can do pharmaceuticals but that's not where they start. And let me give you an example of that. My cortisol was so low when I got sick, I was borderline Addison's disease, which is a terrible thing to get, and thank God we caught it. But the fix was really relatively easy. We needed for me to, um, not even remembering what it's caused, but I used a spray that I bought off of Amazon that raised my DHEA, which then filled up my cortisol. And then in order to keep my cortisol going, I used a flower essence called Rodolia that I also buy from Herb Farm from Amazon that when I'm starting to feel like I'm getting fatigued, I'll take drops of that for several nights in a row. And that brings me back up to an even cortisol level so that my, money, my body functions properly. But it's not something a conventional doctor would even ever know about. So, in, so how, how, help me understand how one starts, because I think if you are a typical person, and I know there is no one typical person, but a typical person probably has some variation, you know, maybe they have some good stuff, maybe they've got some really bad stuff, but they're sort of in the middle, but most people probably shop at, you know, regular grocery store, I'm not going to name names but a regular grocery store that you can find in the neighborhood. Maybe they buy some organics, they buy normal food, they buy packaged goods. Packaged goods generally are problematic. I avoid any, I personally avoid any food that has, you know, mascots and <laughs> things like that. If it's got a, you know, a tiger on it or something, it's probably not something I want to eat. Um, I can only work with a client on lifestyle change because I'm a health coach. I am not a medical professional. Mm -hmm. so where I start is by explaining processed food 
If it has anything on that box that you can't pronounce or you don't know what it is, you put it back. Because should, well, should they get tested? I mean, do they start with some sort of medical testing? Like you talked uh, about maybe, you know, allergies or what your load is or what, where you are? For all kinds of things that your conventional doctor won't test you for. Conventional doctors test you for all kinds of things that a functional doctor doesn't test you for. Okay. But so if, do you encourage your clients to start with a, a, an overall assessment from a functional physician? Okay. I suggest they start with food. Okay. And so where they start is they try to eliminate as much processed food and fast food as they can. Fast food has nothing in it that your body can use, literally. And processed food, if it has a lot of things in it you can't pronounce or don't know what it is, like natural flavorings, Natural flavorings are usually MSG, which is also sometimes on the box under 39 different names, because they figured out we all know MSG is bad for us, and so now they hide it under different names. But natural flavorings is one of the names they hide it under. So if it says, I don't know what a natural flavoring is, if you don't know what it is, or you can't pronounce it, you don't put it in your body. Because your body doesn't know what to do with it either. It doesn't do anything for your body. And then the rest of my phrase is, you eat the rainbow from a farm as close to you as possible so that by the time it hits your plate, it's very close to farm to table. And then you try to buy as much of that as you can organic. And if it's on the dirty dozen, you absolutely buy it organic. Why do you want to eat all the colors of the rainbow? Because believe it or not, each color has a gift for your body. So you want to eat them all. And what happens when you eat them all in a fairly short period of time is they have a party in your body to make you healthy. And so it's really important that you eat all the colors of the rainbow and that 75% of your food on your plate is plant-based. It can be fruits or vegetables, but you want it to be plant-based. And why is this important? Because your cells in your body all have a shelf life. They're constantly being replaced. I told you the gut lining replaces itself every six days and eventually it couldn't keep up. Your lung lining, which is really important right now because that's where COVID attacks, it's replacing itself every two weeks. Your lower digestive system is replacing itself every 10 days because of all the corrosive acids and things down there. But your kidney might be a much longer and your brain, which they thought did not replace cells, they've discovered is replacing cells all the time. And if you don't have all those phytonutrients in your body, you don't have building supplies for your body to use to rebuild. So do you wanna be cheap and fake and you know made from, synthetic and fake ingredients and poisons? Or do you want to be vital, colorful phytonutrients? That's what you have to eat. And if you start there, it doesn't take too long and your body will start to tell you it's feeling better. Let me, let me ask you a, a question that may seem like a stupid question, but I'm, I'm only asking this stupid question on behalf of our, our listeners <laughs> who may have this question the people who really, really are pressed for time and are eating on the go. When you say fast food, can you define fast food? Is that any quick service food? Is there some better than others? Can I go to Chipotle and have a salad instead of- Their occasion is Chipotle because they are very careful with where they source. Okay. But they use soy oil and soy is 95% genetically modified. Okay. So it's not an everyday thing. I just don't eat it anymore. But I have put together food that I travel with so that I never reach a point of hunger where I feel I have to go through a fast food line. And if I don't have food on me, I'll run into a grocery store that is a more of an organic type grocery store and I buy Applegate cold cuts, which have an interesting story behind them, but he's the cleanest of all of the meats that you can buy right out the grocery. I'll buy an organic tomato and I'll buy organic bread of some sort or an organic tortilla and make my own sandwich. That is way better for you because it's still loaded with nutrition and real food. Um, but I also travel with organic nuts and I always have some kind of a protein bar on me that is a healthy protein bar that doesn't have all the synthetic ingredients in it. Um, I always have little packs of nut butters on me and an organic apple 
Um, I have food on me so that I never get that hungry because if I reach the point of, oh my God, I have to have food, I'm gonna make a stupid decision. And I don't wanna do that because then my body reacts. So it's planning ahead. It's not that hard. It's just getting into the mindset of planning ahead. And so yeah, how good. does, go ahead. How does go ahead, one, I want to say, how does one do that? I, because I think, you know, a lot of, for a lot of people who haven't or don't currently have a health issue or what they discern as a health issue that needs immediate, it needs to be addressed immediately there is an ability to kind of explain it away. It's, it's going to take too long. It's going to cost too much. Whereas, you know, you were un, sort of under the gun and needed to make some changes, right? So how does one, you know, and maybe you have experience with your clients with this, where they're not at a point where it is such a chronic, a pervasive issue but they can start to make some changes so that they don't get to that point. It's never too late to start putting healthy habits into place. It takes 20 years sometimes for toxic load to build up and topple over the top. I had signs all the way along. I just didn't know what they were. And I think I gave one of my handouts I gave to you is 20 hidden ways to know you're not as healthy as you think you are, mm -hmm. which were all the things I was experiencing that had no idea that that was my clue that I was on my way to getting autoimmune disease. My second thing is if you have genetics that have any kind of disease in them, you're not going to get it because it's in your genetics, but you are going to get it if you don't turn off the switch with lifestyle change. So if you don't want to get cancer, start eating like you have cancer now. If you don't want to get autoimmune disease and it runs in your family, start eating like you have autoimmune disease now. Because if you do that, you're not going to topple over the top with toxic load and end up diseased. And then my third comment is there's a new study out called the Blue Zone Study by um, National Geographic. And it's really fascinating. They started with five areas in the world where people had the most longevity and they studied them to find out what did they have in common. And interestingly enough, they all had the same things in common. They all cook their own food. They all eat organic meat and organic vegetables. They all cook their own food so that they control what goes into their body. They were all faith-based in some way or another. There was a higher power and they were all living in some way in community. So they supported each other in this lifestyle. They only eat until they're 80% full. They make their plates in the kitchen and take them to the table and they don't overdo it. And they eat very little sugar which is like cocaine and heroin and impacts negatively every organ in the body. And then they control their stress because they get out, they exercise, they're in community, they have fun with each other. And if we just adopted the nine principles of the blue zones, we would all be a much healthier group. They have now rolled it out to nine more communities in the United States. Manhattan Beach is one of them. Um, there's a little tiny town in Minnesota that's doing it. They're all over the world. One of the original ones, interestingly enough, is Loma Linda, where there are seven-day Adventists, and this mm -hmm. was how they eat. And so they're super healthy. And by healthy, I mean they're growing into their late 90s and early 100s with their cognizance. They're completely healthy until the day that they pass which frankly, I'd like to keep my brain. So I'm really happy that I'm eating this way. because I don't want to lose it. I think a brain is a terrible thing to lose. So, so we, we've, talked, we've talked about food. And I, I have one more food question before we maybe talk a little bit about environment. Um, well, I have two questions that are maybe sort of food. One is, and it's in my notes to ask you, I want to talk about sugar. And sugar obviously is everywhere and it's in places that we absolutely would never imagine sugar to be or expect to find sugar. Give up processed food because it is big, big in processed food. Sugar is as addictive as cocaine and heroin. The most interesting thing about sugar to me is my whole life I was told I had a weight issue because I had no will willpower. Guess what? 
I was addicted, had nothing to do with willpower. What sugar does is it turns off the hormone called ghrelin that's in this little hormone functioning thing in the back of your neck. And so it completely turns off your ability to know when you're full. So did you, I, I used to eat a huge Thanksgiving dinner and then something would be calling my name from the kitchen. How could I want to eat more? I just ate this huge dinner. I had no idea that I was full because that hormone had turned off my ability to know that I was no longer hungry. And when you detox off of sugar, it's like you're going through a drug detox. I was in bed for a week. Everything in my body hurt. But when I came out the other side, it took me about two weeks. It can take between 10 days and six weeks to go through it. When I came out the other side, I have complete food freedom. Cookies no longer call my name from the kitchen. And I don't care when I go to a restaurant with friends if I have dessert. I might have a bite, but that does not make me want to eat the whole plate and 10 more. Um, so by getting rid of sugar, you get back food freedom and you stop poisoning your gut and all the organs in your body because that's what the sugar is doing. Okay. Okay. When I've, when I've done that and recently I've, I've had some medical issues over the last few couple of months. And one of the things that I said, I've got to get my diet under control. And not necessarily that I needed to lose weight, but I can feel like, like you, I could feel a sense of dis-ease that I wasn't well, that I wasn't firing on all cylinders. You can see it in your skin. Maybe it looks sallow or your energy level and you wake up and things hurt and very similar without knowing all the science that you're sharing with us today. But I, I told my doctor, you know, he's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, and it's like, well, you know, I'm going to do this because he gave me four different kinds of medication. And he's like, well, take this. And then it wasn't working. We'll take more. Well, that wasn't working. Well, then double that. So I ended up taking four times the dosage, you know, at, at one point than I was at the beginning. At any rate, I decided, I said, well, you know, I'm going to do this medication because I'm having a, an acute problem that I need to address. But at the end of the day, I've got to get my diet and exercise under control. And the, my, my fallback, because, you know, maybe it's because we were born and raised in Berkeley, California, where eating well and whole grains and whole foods and all that is, is part of where we grew up. It was relatively easy. I think a much, much easier than it might be for other people who were, you know, raised on, you know, Wonder Bread and Velveeta or something, you know, not to pick on that, but, you know, it just, it was a little easier eating granola and, you right. know, and not drinking milk or whatever. But I found, and like you said, that the first five or six days, you do feel like you're going through detox. And it literally is your body. It's, it's all the stuff, all the, the triggers, and you probably know the words for this, but all of the, the additives, all the stuff they put in the food that makes you crave more, it that all, makes you want more. They put addictive things into Exactly. And once you get it out of your system, you're, like you said, you're free. That's, I'd love that, you know, you have that food freedom. And you're like, you know, I don't really want that. Yeah. Until, you know, you fall off the wagon. I don't fall off the wagon. You can get hooked again. My podcast, this is going to drop on Friday. My podcast on sugar drops on Thursday. Okay. So go listen to how bad sugar is for you and the beginnings of what to do with it. And then the next podcast is going to be what to do when you start going through cravings while you're trying to get off the sugar. Okay. And we so will we'll have definitely to make sure that's in the show notes. In the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'm definitely going to listen how important that was for me. So, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the environmental stuff, but BPA, is that PBA? BPA, what is it? In the plastics. In the, well, I, the, the, it doesn't matter. Whatever's in the plastic, they tell you there's good chemicals and there's bad chemicals. They're all bad for you. You do not, you want to get away from plastic as much as possible. Okay, as I, as I drink my water in my big plastic cup. You should be drinking your water 
Oh, you, they can't see this, but I just, <laughs> they can't see it, but I can see it. Okay. So in metal, in metal or glass? This is still or glass. Metal because I'm clumsy. And if I was okay. carrying glass, I would smash it and I would cut myself. Okay. So stainless steel is okay. What is it? Why do they even use it? Because it's cheap and it's profitable. Okay. Talk about water in general. First, what comes out of your tap is probably disgusting. You need to get a water report from your city. My water comes right down from the mountains in Los Angeles into artesian wells, and we still have crud. People put pharmaceuticals down their toilet. That comes through the water system. Um, there's all kinds of atrazine and Roundup and crud that comes through the water. So you have to filter your water, and you can start just by filtering what comes out of your kitchen tap, and then you use that to drink, and you use that to cook. The filter that we originally put on was from Aquasana. It was just over $100 and you amortize it real quickly because you're paying 1200 times more for bottled water, okay? And then you buy 1995 stainless steel bottles and you fill them up and you take them with you everywhere. What goes into plastic bottles is even less regulated than what comes out of your tap. Years ago, my husband worked for one of the big soda pop companies. He's a statistician. He could show you where they get the water that they're selling for the 1,200 times more in the plastic bottles. It is loaded with crud. Only you're not only getting the icky water, you're getting the plastic that is leaching poisons into the water and then little microbes of plastic are going into that water that you're drinking. So it's like the triple whammy. So you really want to control what's in your tap and that's what you want to be carrying with you. And I have giant jugs that I carry with me in the car that I refill my own bottles with so that I never have to buy plastic again. I don't want to drink that stuff. So that's a great way to get all that stuff out. But that's not the only place there is plastic in your life. I don't store food in plastic anymore. I have bought all glass containers with silicon lids that I store food in. You mean like the good old fashioned Tupperware or that kind of yeah, Ziploc bags and all of that? You don't use any of those things if you can avoid it? Try to avoid it. You can't get away from it completely. I bring home all my food in plastic bags, you know, but I have cut it down way below where it used to be so that I've cut whatever's leaching out of all that plastic into my body way down as well. Wow. Okay. And what else in the environment? It feels like when we were little, and I'm sure I'm older than both of you. Oh, um, no. I'm 71, honey. Trust oh. me. <laughs> well, when we, were, when, when we were little, and that includes you, um, and, and maybe this is just anecdotal, maybe this is my imagination, but if it seems like you might know a person some relative, a friend of your mom's friend from church or the Canasta Club or something who had cancer or who had fill in, you know, diabetes, fill in the blank. And then at some point, you know, it just more and more. Now I think one in three people or something will have cancer if you're with two friends and, you know, you look left or you look right, one of the three of you, one in five. 55 million cancer survivors out there. So, so is, is that from yeah, the right. environment? Is it from our food? Is it from, I blame TV dinners, like in the 50s. You know, people maybe should have kept cooking. The microwave. You have to remember, food companies aren't worried about your health. They're worried about their profits. So they put all kinds of things into their food that hook you, and that makes them more profitable, which is why it's so important that you cook your own food and know what you're putting into your body. But yes, that's when it started. All of those things have poisons and toxins in them and those ingredients. Starting with margarine, my father was a chemist. He was really annoyed that I refused to eat margarine and I couldn't stand the taste of it. So I was the only person in the family that ate butter and everyone else in the family ate margarine and at least once a month we had to but that fried in Crisco that was a saturated fat that was horrible for us so yeah it started when we were kids 
our our grandparents, which would have been everybody else's great grandparents or great great grandparents, they were eating stuff right from the farm. We we started eating foods that were more convenient, but which were not as nutritious. And my mother cooked, so I was lucky because most of what I ate was home cooked. And we did go out to the farm and pick our own vegetables and pick our own strawberries. Um, but the older we have gotten, the less and less generations that have yeah, come and after the, us. The convenience is, is the key, right? I mean, now you have generally everybody, all the adults in the household are working. So two working parents or, you know, what, or working honestly, and, and when are you going to eat? When are you going to cook? You're tired. I don't think it takes longer to cook than it does to jump in the car and go through a fast food line. If you have bought quality ingredients at the beginning of the week, and I wash all my vegetables and put them all eye level in the refrigerator, I can put dinner on the table in a half an hour or 45 minutes. I pull the vegetables out, I cut them up, I throw them on a baking pan with parchment paper and I roast them with a little bit of ghee, which is what I use since I'm now sensitive to butter, mm -hmm. and some garlic and onion and they're yummy. I've taken out quality meat that is grass-fed, grass-finished, or who has eaten his own sustainable diet. And I don't eat more than the palm of my hand because I don't need more than the palm of my hand, but I do need some because I'm diabetic and meat releases sugar much slower. So I've taken out my meat. It doesn't take that long to make meat unless I'm gonna make a roast. And if I'm gonna make a roast, I'm gonna make it in my Instant Pot now and it doesn't take long. So you can actually cook really quickly and eat real nutrition. It's that we don't think that way. We think in terms of fast. Yeah. We think in terms of processed. We think in terms of frozen foods that are also processed. And so if we could get everybody back to, and, and it's a rhythm. You have to have a rhythm when you're cooking. If you start cooking, it gets shorter and shorter and shorter to make yummy meals because you have a rhythm to it. But when you first start, it's like, what do I do with this? That part is true. That's yeah. why I have a husband because he does the cooking. Um, so, and that's you know, why Donovan and I churn our own butter. <laughs> wow. We're, yeah. Yeah. I, I can I can do it when I want to. I just you know I have to want to consistently, and I I'd rather not eat. I was like, you know what? If I don't feel like eating, I just don't eat. But I'm like you. If I if I want to do the thing, I don't believe in. Uh, artificial foods. So I never ever do anything like fat, low fat mayonnaise or fat free. Right. Like that fat free half and half. I'm like, I don't even understand. Isn't the half fat? I mean, isn't that the whole point of the thing? This is fake fat. We need the fat. Exactly. You drink milk. You need to be drinking whole fat milk. Because what they do to make it low fat or non-fat is they spray the milk and fill it back up again because what's left is that icky gray liquid that skim milk is. And that stuff they spray to fill it back up again is what's causing cholesterol. That's what's mm. getting stuck in our veins. So if you're going to drink dairy, you need it to be full fat dairy. That's all a misnomer that they industry, the industry yeah. is the most expensive part yeah. of it. And, and just all the fat-free, low-fat things, and uh, uh, what was that, that, that fake fat, Olestra, or something like that? How that happened? The sugar industry didn't want the focus to be on sugar, so they paid all the universities to do tests that showed that fat was the culprit, so that we would oh. die off of sugar. Remember when all of those fake sugar and low fat products all came out. That was all the result of the sugar industry doing research that they were putting out there that said, that's what we should be eating. So we turned away from all the good fats. We started eating all the bad fats and then we started eating more sugar. Wow. wow. Blew up. And we're <laughs> literally. It, it, it not help it. at all. So is there you know, anything, wait, before we, let me just ask this one last question on this, sugar, on this food thing. Are there any, foods that we shouldn't eat, categories of food. I don't mean specific foods, and I know you have a list, but well, should you I, not eat yogurt or should you not eat 
meat or have dairy, but should people eat yogurt? Yes, they should eat okay. fat yogurt, but there's nothing wrong with yogurt. But if you're going to eat yogurt, read how much sugar is in it because the milk industry is loading up your yogurt with sugar and four grams of sugar equals one teaspoon. So you could be eating as many as five teaspoons of sugar in your yogurt. Okay. So you need to learn what the label means to you so that you're not doing that to your body. All right. Okay. But there's nothing generally, just eat good, healthy, organic food, right. a wide variety. Yeah. Do your rainbow. Yeah. And, and I your, okay. meat that's been pastured or chickens that ran around and eat bugs and berries and grass. Lambs only like grass, so you can eat lamb. We eat heritage pork, which means it's pastured pork. We eat bison because he likes to eat grass. Um, I don't eat anything that's been eating GMO feed because what your animal eats is what you eat. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. And the only category that we didn't talk about with food, oils, oil quality matters. You only want to eat certain oils like uh, coconut oil, avocado oil, olive oil, but you never want to cook with it because it has a very low smoke point. And when it starts to smoke, it becomes very unhealthy. But even olive oil has gotten confusing because the mafia got involved and is putting soybean and canola oil in your, in your olive mm. oil. So if it's not a really pretty olive color, it's probably not real olive oil. Or only by California olive oil because we can control what goes into that bottle. Okay. Um, Italy and Spain certifies it when it's real olive oil. They actually trace the olive from the tree into the bottle, if you can wow. imagine. Yep. So um, there's all kinds of hidden places where there's toxins that you wouldn't imagine. Um, the two other big categories of toxins are your cleaning supplies and fragrances. Fragrances are all synthetic and they're all poisons. Whether you're spraying perfume on yourself, you're spraying something that's taking the odor out of the air, or you're spraying something to put an odor in the air, or you're buying laundry detergent like the ad that is making you ecstatic as you breathe it. That stuff's all poison. So you don't need any of that stuff. And the most toxic thing in your house are your dryer sheets and fabric softeners, which I discovered because I woke up one morning with my tongue lips and my eyes swollen shut. Um, so in those little soap pods are so toxic that if a toddler picked one up and ate it, you probably couldn't get them to the emergency room. So you need to know what you're buying when you're buying cleaning supplies. My favorite is a product I found called Branch Basics, which is plant enzymes. So I use it to wash my dishes, I use it to wash my floors, I use it to wash my toilets because I have pets and I don't want to be poisoning them with what they're walking on and if they're going to get into the toilet and drink the water, which I try them not to, but they do, yeah. um, then I know I'm safe. I also use it sometimes to do my laundry, but I also buy a sensitive low toxin laundry detergent by Seventh Heaven, I think it's called. Okay. Okay. Is seventh uh, heaven or seventh generation? Seventh generation. Thank okay. you. Okay. 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 But Branch Basic also makes a boost that will take all your stains out and wash your laundry. And it okay. is, we actually ate it one night. I made salad dressing out of it accidentally. And I said, I'm not tasting any vinegar. And we went to the kitchen and I had made it with Branch Basics, but neither one of us got sick. It was that clean. <laughs> don't try this at home. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> Well, Cheryl, we want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us um, about, I, first of all, I want to mention the books. I don't know that I mentioned them um, other than in passing. So you have a couple of books. One is It Feels Good to Feel Good. And the other one is Feeling Good, Living Low Toxin in Community and Everyday Life. And you also have a podcast that's called It Feels Good to Feel Good, right? And we're so going to we, all listen to that on Thursday. Well, one week Friday. I got some topic from my book. And then the next week, I'm talking to somebody else who got sick like me, owned it, did their own research, and came out the other end to wellness again. That's because great. Because when I speak, people say it's grand that you did it, but that doesn't mean I can. Well, yeah. Right. 
And I want to give everybody out there who is sick with a chronic illness hope that if they own it, they can come out the other end of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we will put all that information, your contact information in the show notes. We encourage you to go and listen to Cheryl's podcast. Uh, the episode on sugar will actually release the day before this episode released, but it will, once she posts it, it'll be there. So it doesn't matter when you listen and then um, pick up her books and learn something about how you can make changes. She takes the time to explain how you can make simple changes over time. It doesn't have to be everything all at once. If you get started now, you'll be healthier for it. So Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for Absolutely. And have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Best of luck with your podcast. I'm sure it's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. If you like our show, please share with your friends. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. Your questions, comments, and feedback are welcome. You can find out more about us at lifelemonslemondrops.com.